We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Wednesday, the 13th day of July, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Uh, healthy and alive. Yeah, doing well. Yourself? On the road to recovery. I'm I'm doing better, as you can probably hear. I mean, I'm not 100% yet, but I'm on the road to recovery. So I guess I should count my lucky stars and guess we'll just carry on. But I may have to concede as to the seriousness of, of what we're facing here. I, I might have to concede to that. And I, I may have to, well, I, I may have to make sure that my vaccines are up to date. I, I just might have to do that. Because if I don't, well, then I run the risk of, uh, well, everybody else around me, not just me, right? But it's, it's everybody else around me, because you think of more than just yourself. Uh, they're bringing this dead horse back. Ted Rose of the World Health Organization is out today saying this. The Emergency Committee on COVID-19 met on Friday last week and concluded that the virus remains a public health emergency of international concern. Now you see that? You see that? So it, it's, it remains a public health emergency of international concern. So apparently they tried to float monkeypox and that didn't work too well. Uh, so they're going back to this. And then, of course, uh, CDC, uh, whatever her name is, C CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, she has a very simple message for people um, and it should be followed. Many Americans are under vaccinated, meaning they are not up to date on their COVID-19 vaccines. Not all people over the age of 50 have received their first booster dose. Of those oh, who've no. received their first booster dose, only 28% of those over 50 have received a second booster dose. And of those over the age of 65, only 34% have received their second booster dose. So my message right now is very simple. It's essential that these Americans, as Dr. Shah said, get their second booster shot right away. You see, you can't wait. You've got to get it right away. You, you hear that, Bruce? You see how concerned she is for the average American? You hear that? How is that even legal that they're still pushing this vaccine when there's been so many deaths associated with it. Uh, it. It's quite baffling on the legality side of things. It is, seeing as how, I mean, if you just, if you look at just the VAERS report in and of itself, but we expected them to double down, right? Isn't that what we expected them to do? We didn't really think we did that they indeed. were going to somehow yeah. or another develop a moral compass and say, oh, look, you know, uh, we, we've lost a lot of people because of this, so um, we're just going to have to stop this. No, no, of course not. They've doubled and tripled and quadrupled and quintupled down. That's all they've done because that's all they know how to do. They're like a degenerate gambler. Queensland, Australia. See, it's not just America where they're pushing this. Queenslanders are being warned that they might need a fifth COVID jab before the end of the year as authorities monitor the spread of new Omicron variants. The level of vaccination is in Queensland is very high. The anti-vax group is taking up a disproportionate amount of oxygen. OK, so they need a fifth one in Queensland. You hear that? 
a fifth one. Uh, and then you heard that individual right there. He said, well, those anti-vaxxers, those damn anti-vaxxers, they're taking up a disproportionate amount of oxygen. But you heard what he said. They have a very high vaccination rate, but you're going to need a fifth one. Uh, again, like <laughs> if these vaccines truly were safe and effective, why do you need so many? It, it, it again, doesn't make any sense. Uh, this is this defies logic, uh, it, reason, science. I mean, it, 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 it defies all the, the, the basic standards that we had before this. And we're just supposed to accept it now, I guess. Yes, because it's the agenda and you have to accept mm -hmm. it. You can't question it. And if you did question it, what happened? What happened to you? If you were somebody that's decided, OK, all right, I'm, I'm going to push back against this. If I'm going to if I'm going to be on these networks where I have a, um, a voice where I can be heard, such as Facebook, for example, just to name a few, but or just to name one out of the few. But what happened to you if you voiced an opinion that was outside of the agenda? Because they wanted to make sure that you weren't promoting disinformation. Huh? Well, gee, I wonder. What does Mark Zuckerberg, the uh, the chairman and CEO of Facebook, I wonder, does he follow the same guidelines that he makes you follow? I, I do just want to make sure that um, I, I share some caution on this because um, we just don't know the long-term side effects of, of basically modifying people's um, the DNA and RNA to, um, to directly encode in a person's DNA and RNA, basically the ability to... Um, to, to produce uh, those antibodies and whether that causes other mutations or other risks down uh, downstream. So there's work on both paths of vaccine development. Huh. Well, that's that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, are we surprised? No, because that kind of confirms that statement right there. That confirms if you couple that with the private emails that were foiled between him and Dr. Anthony Fauci, that confirms None of these people that are out there peddling this this little whatever this is, none of those people are actually taking it, are they? No. No, they're certainly not. But yet they're forcing you to. And don't give me this crap about how they're not forcing you. They're forcing you to choose between your livelihood and taking an experimental drug. That's force. I don't care which way you slice it. I did see, we did mandate this on the, um, the airline industry, did we not? In the United States, we did. Yes, we did. Yep. And I did see the other day that there was a shortage of 12,000 pilots. 12,000. Now, I could understand a shortage of a few hundred, right? I mean, I could understand that. Just industry-wide, I mean, I, I could see that at any given time. You know, a few hundred. Okay, fine. 12,000. We have a shortage of 12,000 pilots, and there's nothing to see here? I mean, we, we didn't uh, we didn't really talk about it, at least when when I was on it. Uh, maybe you guys did when uh, it was you and Ned. Um, but that we've had lots of cancellations and whatnot here in the U.S. Uh, uh, for flights here, too, because it, exactly as you said, there's a shortage of pilots. So um, I'm, I'm just curious, could could it have anything to do with uh, the vaccine mandate or the vaccines in general and the damage that it costs? Could it could it could it have anything to do with that at all? It could be a combination of a couple of things. I'm not going to attribute it to one or the other, but you can attribute it to one thing specifically. You can attribute it to the mandates. That's what you can attribute it to. Now, whether that's caused 
injury or death or a simple resignation, somebody saying, look, I'm just not going to do that to myself. Um, I'll, I'll go find work elsewhere. I'll, I'll go do something else. You can attribute it to the mandates one way or the other. Now, what it's done to a person, I don't know. But it has caused a significant impact within the industry itself. I don't really uh, I don't really care for this person because um, I, I just I, I don't there's just something about this politician that I just don't trust. I don't know what it is, but it's just one of those things where it's it's a gut feeling. I just can't quite put my finger on it. Uh, but she talks a good game. Uh, and I'll play this clip because we're talking about this right now. This is Christine Anderson. She's a member of European Parliament from Germany. Um, and she has a very interesting take on the aviation industry. It was way beyond the annoyance of, you know, missing your suitcase or having to stand in a line, because what we are actually talking about is it could uh, cost a lot of people uh, their lives because we're talking actually about um, a safe flight, which may no longer be the case. Because what happened was that um, a lot of pilots that um, did not want to get vaccinated had been laid off. Um, and the ones that did get vaccinated because they had families to feed, a mortgage to pay, all of these things to take care of may now no longer be fit to fly. And that is a problem. And uh, to the globalist elites, it must be a shocker. Can you imagine? First, people are being forced to get a vaccination to only then find out that it might actually be the dumbest thing uh, they ever did. Um, a shocker to the globalist elite? I don't think so. I think this is exactly what they wanted to do. These crackpot people down there in Davos with their little carbon schemes or whatever it is that they uh, whatever they're cooking up down there. That's their goal is to shut down international travel. That's their goal is, is to shut all that down. Do I, do I think that they are shocked at what they've done? Absolutely not. This is exactly what they wanted to do. And more than that, if you look at the if you look at the future of air travel under this new whatever this is, um, first of all, you have to think about what they're doing in terms of, quote, fossil fuels. And I use that term loosely now because some new evidence is starting to come to light that kind of sheds some light on what we know about fossil fuels and that's or petrochemicals or whatever. And that's being upended. Um, they can't play that card anymore if what's actually happening is what we think is happening. Um, but we can talk about that another day. Air travel for the future seems pretty bleak, doesn't it? If you look at air travel in general, we're behind. We're behind 50 years. You're telling me that we can't come up with something better than the jet engine in a half a century? That's what you're telling me? At the rate of, of technological progression in civilization, you're telling me that's the best we can do? I don't think so. I don't think so. We actually had supersonic flight. We had the Concorde. Look it up. I've been in one, albeit it's, you know, wasn't wasn't running, but... Um, I've been in one in a museum. I've also been in the Russian one. I've, I've been at the only museum in the world where both of them are on display. That was actual progress. That was progress in the right direction. You could take a flight from New York to London in three hours. That was progress. Now you're still stuck moping across the Atlantic in tent. It's ridiculous. It's laughable. If you look at the future, they say, oh, no, we're bringing those back. We're bringing those back. Yeah, but there's just this one little thing. There's only like 10 seats on it. So, yeah, um... That's going to be reserved for, you know, the privileged and, and, and things like that. That's not going to be for you. Uh, you're, you're, not going to, you're not going to need that. See, you're not important enough. See, you're not a stakeholder. You're not going to need that. And because it's for the earth, well, you know, you, your, your carbon footprint, you can't be, can't be flying like that uh, because that'll, that'll damage the environment. So we, we can't have any of that. But, hey, uh, you get this 
cool little golf cart over here uh, that's made with lithium batteries that we can't recycle. You get one of those. Oh, and by the way, uh, we're going to have these rolling blackouts now, so you're probably not going to be able to charge it very often. Uh, but when you do charge it, uh, we're going to charge you a premium for it. So, But that's okay because it's, it's for the earth. You understand. Of course you do. You see, that's the future that they have planned. That's what they think is uh, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. So do I think that they're shocked that the airline industry has been uh, hit like this? No. No, I don't. Do I think that they're going to improve flights in the future? No. No, I don't. I don't think that there's there's going to be anything good about what these people want to do. They want to end travel, period. They want to end you being able to go somewhere, even domestically. Bruce and I were looking at something um, just a little bit earlier. We were looking at a new federal statute in America that will require you. Now, this is all 50 states, nearest we can tell. It's being implemented by the Department of Homeland Security, which I will reiterate is the most useless organization on the planet. You will now be required starting May 3rd of 2023, which I'm assuming the reason they haven't told anybody anybody about this is because they actually can't do it. It's illegal for them to do it, but they're doing it anyway. You will now be required to have a, um, well, a new ID to travel within the United States, or you'll have to travel with a passport inside the United States of America. There's just a couple of things with that one. Well, let me see. First of all, it violates your Fourth Amendment because you're no longer securing your papers, persons, and effects. But since the Department of Homeland Security is violating your Fourth Amendment for the last two decades anyway, and you won't do anything about it, then I guess it's okay. See, because they're, they're violating it already. You're getting treated like a criminal at the airport. That's a violation of your Fourth Amendment. Also, This violates the interstate travel, as in like the Commerce Clause. You could make an argument to this. I I think I think anybody that's a constitutional lawyer uh, could argue this at the Supreme Court level and they would win. But let's be honest, is that actually going to happen? They're actually restricting your they're hindering your state to state travel, which you can't do. You cannot do that. But they're doing it anyway. Again, am I shocked at what they're doing to the airline industry? No, no, I'm not. Bruce, are you shocked? No, this is. um Honestly, we expected this with a social credit system, especially. They were basically saying um, uh, they had to reduce air travel anyway. Um, Here in the U.S., the left have been talking about going back to trains uh, being one of the major forms of transportation and wanting. Well, they've been trying. Yeah, they've been trying to get uh, bills passed for funding to to create more trains and whatnot across the U.S. No, 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 no. The closest thing we have to train travel in the United States, we do have it. But the closest thing we have to it is a system called Amtrak. It's run by the government and it is horrible. It's horrible. We haven't updated those rail beds in, I I don't know, half century or or longer, maybe. And most of them can't even get up above, I think, what is it, 35 miles an hour? Or it'll shake you to death. That's going to be yeah. some kind of travel? I, I don't think so. Uh, past uh, freight, I, I don't see how uh, increasing train travel is going to be a thing. Uh, the other problem w- with train is it's far slower. It's still running on diesel, it, it, you know, or fossil fuel. Unless they're really thinking going way back and going, you know, uh, coal, which would be stupid. But I, I just I, I don't see the, the point in what they're saying. But this new ID system, if you don't have the, the real ID, uh, you won't be allowed to fly, period. Um, of course, it's, it's really easy to get. Of course, you know, uh, if you have a passport, uh, if you have a birth certificate, social security number, proof of 
residency, like a bill or whatever, and uh, a proof of uh, any kind of name change or, you know, marriage certificate or any of those kind of things. Yeah, that's that's all it takes. And the, the thing is, this is this is what really annoys me with all of this. Flight is a that's a private private business. That's a transaction you make between a private business and the government's in there saying you can or can't partake in this. Uh, number one, that's BS. Number two, um, we've been talking about having just simple IDs that, that you know, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, social security number, birth certificate, proof of residency, you know, all those things have voter ID, something that is a, a, a privilege here. And we, we can't even get that, but heh, we can get flight. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you, we can, you can be barred from flying one of your constitutional rights of, of uh, interstate travel. Can't buy a gun without but, ID. Um, yeah. That's another thing that's um, now I, I could make the argument if you're an American citizen, you have the right to the second amendment. So I could understand showing ID that shows I am an American citizen. Okay. And fair, then fair. and then past that, you're you're not hindered from from purchasing a firearm. Fair. That I, I'm okay with constitutionally. Uh, but past oh, that, to, anything need, anything. Okay, more let, is let, let me go something more stupid. Um, you need ID to buy cold medicine in America. That's not a joke. Yeah. Um, first of all, if you have to have ID to buy cold medicine. Should that even be on the market, number one? But number two, why is it that you have to have ID for? It's just, it makes no sense on why we have ID for some things and ID for things that are vastly more important. It, it, there's no ID. And uh, off, slightly off topic, going back to the previous topic, the um, uh, individual you were talking about, the politician, uh, the, the woman there that you played a few minutes ago, uh -huh. um, is she has she been saying this the entire time? Has she been has her position changed at all? No. Or is this just a, a no. more recent thing that she's been speaking out? No, she's been pretty consistent. I'll, I'll give her that. She, she's been pretty consistent okay. the whole way through. OK. She's a member of one of the political parties here that is against whatever the government's doing. So she has to stay in that line. Otherwise, obviously, you know, there's going to be problems. So, I mean, she ran on that. So she has to stick to it. Rather, she endorses that. Personally, I, I don't know. She is a politician after all. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Speaking of the government getting in the way of, of things, um, let's talk about the Democrats having their leadership conference, right? <laughs> because, well, if you're a political party, you've got to have a leadership conference, right? You've got you've to know the people you want in those leadership positions, Okay. All right. I, I mean, that's that's just common sense. Of course it is. That's just common sense. The Florida Democratic Party had their annual leadership conference. There's just one little problem. It was sponsored by Pfizer. Uh, and that's not a joke. It was, it was sponsored by Pfizer. How, like, how is this not obvious to everybody? It's it's literally right there in front of everybody's face. It took place uh, July 15th through, or excuse me, it is taking place, hasn't happened yet. It's taking place July 15th through July 17th. The event and gala count Pfizer as one of its lead corporate sponsors, in addition to the Democratic campaign and lobby groups, Act Blue. Well, gee whiz, the Act Blue. Bruce, you've talked about Act Blue here many, many times, haven't you? Yeah, that's the uh, BLM uh -huh. funder. One yeah, that's that's the uh, well, it's what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's a money laundering operation for left wing causes is what it is. Black Lives Matter just being one of those. Yep. They are the payment processor for BLM and the Democrat Party. In addition to the American Federation of Labor and Congressional Industrial Organizations, or the AFL-CIO. 
uh, which Biden's given several speeches at their events as well. So, you know, they represent the unions, of course, that labor leadership. Uh, the Leadership Blue event, which will be hosted in Tampa, convenes Democratic candidates for office and the Florida Democratic Party officials from across the state for training seminars and meetings. Training seminars, you hear that? Pfizer's sponsorship appears to pose yet another conflict of interest given the company's role as COVID-19 vaccine maker, which still enjoys government protection against liability. I, you know, I, it's, it's amazing. Well, they're sponsoring the event for the Democrat Party, and they just happen to be the party that's championing that everybody go out and get more of those things. You know, no conflict of interest there, I don't think. Do you think? Do you see any conflict of interest there? Do you? No, of course no? not. No, they, no. I, no. Furthermore, uh, by the way, this is great work. I, I'll have to admit, this is great work from uh, Natalie Winters over at the uh, the National Pulse. Furthermore, despite obscuring results from its pharmaceutical trials and studies suggesting natural immunity confers better protection than COVID than the COVID nineteen vaccination, the company has continued to receive approval for its vaccines and boosters from the Food and Drug Administration. I, I'd like to be clear on this: they're not actual approval that they're, it's not actual approval that they're that they're getting. What they're getting is they're getting emergency use authorization. So they're keeping that emergency urgency in place, as you heard Ted Rose say, they still have to consider it an international emergency. It's still a it's still a, a something of concern. So they have to continue the state of emergency so they can continue to get the emergency use authorization. Florida Democrats have criticized State Governor Ron DeSantis for failing to implement COVID-19 vaccine mandates for businesses and schools, uh, which is a that's a policy that just, you know, that affects Pfizer's profit. So Obviously, you want to have the mandates so Pfizer can have more of a profit because it's really tough trying to afford a, uh, a condominium in, uh, in Monte Carlo in the south of France. You know, it's, it's really tough trying to get one of those things. So, I mean, you, you got to have record profits in order for the Pfizer execs to get another one of those condominiums somewhere. Don't you care about that, Bruce? Don't, don't you care about a Pfizer exec getting a new condo in Monte Carlo in the south of France? Uh, actually, I, I do care about it when they've been pushing a drug that's uh, killing people um, and the government's um, helping them. I, I do actually have a problem with that in that scenario. And it couldn't be the fact that they're literally they're literally buying off state politicians in front of everybody. Like they're, they're literally buying them off. What do you think is going to happen at this conference? Really? It's going to be some some uh, cushy uh, beach resort somewhere. Uh, and it's it, <laughs> give me a break. The pharmaceutical giant has spent a record breaking amount on lobbyists throughout COVID-19, strategically tapping former government employees with ties to Joe Biden to push for authorization for its vaccine. Really? They got lobbyists that have ties to Joe Biden? Huh. In 2019, the company spent $11 million on lobbying efforts before increasing the total to $13,150,000, which is the highest since 2010 on any lobbying effort. In 2019, the company retained 77 lobbyists before the total grew to a team of 102 lobbyists in 2020. And so far in 2022 or 2021, Pfizer has 92 lobbyists on their payroll. Man, this is, this is, you know, I heard Dr. Robert Malone saying that Pfizer is like, that is like one of the worst pharmaceutical cartels out there. Like they, they are, they've got to be the worst when it comes to, to corruption uh, and getting into like to government agencies and contracts and stuff. And I see why. Pfizer's employed a small tactic outside of the political sphere as individuals tied to the company hold influential roles within the media, technology, and the World Economic Forum. Of course, you remember Albert Borla? 
the CEO of Pfizer, sitting on stage having a conference with Klaus Schwab himself, making jokes about how, oh, yeah, there was I got arrested by the FBI. Yeah, both of them did. You know, just just joking about it, laughing in your face. That's what they do. Earlier this year, Democrats in mass voted against a move that would prohibit the monitoring and persecution of American citizens who refused the COVID-19 vaccine. In October of 2021, a Pfizer scientist was caught on hidden camera admitting making personal profits off of COVID-19. And of course, Pfizer sponsorship also follows uh, the event moving towards its original location of Disney World. Uh Uh-huh. You seeing a connection here? Disney World? Yeah, Pfizer, Disney. Uh, To the Tampa JW Marriott, due to pressure from LGBTQ activists over Disney's initial refusal to condemn Governor DeSantis on the, uh, the Don't Say Gay Bill, which had absolutely nothing to do with that. Well, that's that's quite a revelation, and that's that's uh, that's quite a bit of investigative journalism. Does that surprise you at all? Does any of that surprise you? No, this is uh, the the funding and everything that they were getting the the uh, not not just funding, but the uh, self enrichment uh, that they were getting. Basically, okay, I've already have I've had an issue with lobbyists since I was politically aware. I, I've I've basically equated them to bribery. It's it's no different than that. That used to be illegal here in the United States, and now they just switch from bribing to lobbyists. Uh, but they're going around making all this money, uh, you know, investing in the... We should be going through the portfolios of each one of the politicians and going, do you have any kind of... Uh, 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 stocks or anything in um, any of the pharmaceutical companies that were given uh, the uh, authorization, um, emergency authorization. Uh, if that answer is yes, then um, there should be some kind of an investigation going on with bribery or, you know, there, there's malfeasance there. You should not be doing that to then touting safe, you know, fair or whatever, safe and effective and all that nonsense. It. It's just I don't know the the average person. If we would have done the same thing as nobodies, we would have been you know thrown in jail. You look at other elites that don't subscribe to the same idea, and they do something similar, and they have the FCC breathing down their neck uh, and telling them uh, you can't say that. Well, why is this any different? Why is it any different that these politicians are investing in these these companies, and then at the same time? talking them up. It, it, it just... Well, look at Zuckerberg. He talks them up, bans everybody off of his platform that doesn't toe the line. And then he says that behind the scenes in his own private conferences, which, by the way, that's not uh, that's not a revelation. That's been out for a while. Uh, but we just yeah. haven't uh, we, we just haven't gotten around to it yet. I, I, at this point, I mean, he's confirming everything that we already suspected anyway. Yeah, it, it's it boils down to I'm not surprised. Any, any of this, this the, nothing, nothing of this is shocking. This is all what we've been saying from the beginning. Uh, at this point, I don't know what to do about it. I mean, the Justice Department isn't going to investigate it. As we were talking about with the airline companies, how many pilots and everything are injured or uh, just, you know, don't they, they quit, retired or whatever. Uh, how many other businesses, how many other uh, careers have people lost because they refused to get vaccinated or they were injured by the vaccine? And or the now lockdowns. there's no kind of or the yeah, or the or because of the lockdowns. And they're they're not they won't have any kind of compensation. They won't be able to file a lawsuit. There's none of that because they have protection, the the pharmaceutical companies. So this is all just a scheme. This is all just a they're milking you of more cash and at the same time 
thinning the, the herd. Yeah, and it's being put into overdrive. Like the pedal is to the floor in all areas. So not only do they have that going on, they've also got the Ukraine thing going on. Biden said today that we're going to send another $1.8 billion over there. Uh, was announced this morning. I don't want to gloss over it since we were kind of talking about social media. We we're talking about Zuckerberg. Let's talk about Elon with this whole deal with um, uh, w- with Twitter. That deal has now fallen through. He's he's backed out. So I don't understand. He wanted to buy Twitter, and then he wanted to know how many of the accounts were fake, and then they wouldn't tell him. So this like they they fought to try and keep him from buying it, and then he said he was going to buy it, and now he's not going to buy it, and now they want to. Uh, they want to force him to buy it by taking him to court and they want to put him in jail or something. I mean, it's, I, I, I can't yeah. follow this. What's he doing? Yeah. So basically he wanted to buy it. Uh, I think he's I think he legitimately believes in free speech and that was his intention. And he could have made the platform better and made money at the same time. Twitter's the, never the actually problem. earned a profit. Did you know that? I didn't yeah, know. It's, that. it's not doing. it's like if you if you look at Twitter, uh, for example, um, there's been a few uh, new correspondence in the in the right wing media uh, side of things that the whole reason they're in uh, the right wing media now is because of Twitter, because their whatever they did went viral and the right people seen it and they got their chance. And now they're contributors or full on hires uh, at, at, at some of these right wing uh, organizations. OK, I, I if just it wasn't I, I find for it. Twitter. There's a lot of there, there's there's a lot of people that wouldn't have their jobs. Now. No, I yeah, I get it. I get it. It gives you exposure and things like that. But I find it very I, I thought it was pretty difficult to believe that uh, here's a company that's got 350 million active users at any given time and they've never turned a profit like that's Yes, that's that's, kind of that's what I'm getting at is this is this is the only platform you can go viral on uh, nowadays and and it, you know, get you somewhere, if you will. And yet it is the eighth most profitable uh, when it comes to social media and whatnot, I believe uh, they're the eight that, that that's, how is that possible? Twitter should be like the top one. I mean, that's where everybody, as far as like news media correspondence and everything, like you look at, uh, news media or any other media, what do they talk about? Twitter, 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 Twitter. So-and-so said on Twitter, so-and-so said on Twitter, it's not Facebook, it's not YouTube. It's none of that. It's always Twitter. And yet Twitter is doing so horribly. So he could have made a ton of money uh, with Twitter if he would have fixed a lot of the problems that were there and basically opened it up. But then they did some investig another uh, independent group. They did an investigation in how many <laughs> how many accounts are real that are following Biden. And they looked at things like uh, profile picture, um, how many posts they've done, follows, you know, those the, the things that are publicly available. Uh, and they found that close to 50% of them, it's like 49.5% of them were fake accounts. They were bots. If that's how many, the president of the United States, mind, mind you, this is the most popular president in American history. If, if that is true for that president, then what about everybody else? What about these, these uh, individuals that uh, are quote unquote influencers? Do they really have the following that they say they have? Uh, so Musk started yeah. questioning it and then asked for the real numbers from Twitter. Yeah, I, I understand you can also buy followers, too, in, in certain cases. Is that what these yeah. bots are that, that you're talking about, the people that buy the followers? It, it, it could be people that buy followers or it could just be um, there. There's an element. Every single form of social media has this. Um, uh, even uh, streaming services, uh, everything. If you if you're a content creator, 
there is fake accounts that will follow you, whether it's uh, you paid for it or they're just doing it to make it look like they're not a bot. And they'll, they'll do that to kind of boost the, the time and the quote unquote activity of the bot. And um, then they'll sell the bot as a follower uh, later. So it makes it more difficult to find out that this is a bot and it make it look like it's a real person. And Musk was asking for that information. Twitter refused to give him that information. So Musk is like, I'm, the, I'm out. If you're not going to give me the information I, I need uh, to, to, you know, whether or not to, to follow through on this, he's going to pull out. Um, the most they can do uh, in this is file a lawsuit and say you have to pay the $1 billion. There, there was some kind of deal that if either side backed out for uh, any reason other than um, uh, like a financial, like a, uh, basically if it wasn't a breach of contract from the opposite side, then they had to pay the billion dollars. So if Musk breached contract, he would have to pay a billion dollars to Twitter and vice versa. Well, Musk is arguing Twitter has breached contract by not giving him the, the all the data. And uh, Twitter's saying that Musk is, you know, so it's a kind of a, he said, she said, kind he of said, a scenario. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I, did, am I the only person that sees a problem with this? So let me, let me get this straight. If you have an account that has a whole bunch of fake followers and you've got people that like real people that follow you and you're promoted as one of these people that has all, all these followers and everything, like, say, I don't know, for example, uh, one of those useless pieces of DNA, the uh, um, the Kardashians or whatever, you know, one of these idiots, one of those people, those people have a lot of influence over a lot of people. And if a lot of their followers are fake, we're, so we're led to believe so we're led to believe anyway. yeah so we're led to believe and see that's exactly my point right there these so-called influential people are they really that influential because if they're not imagine how much public opinion gets swayed under false pretenses that is one hell of a social engineer's wet dream is what that is you're swaying public opinion based on conjured up nonsense is what you're doing you're influencing I don't know, um, say an election based on nothing, whatever you say, based on fake followers. And so and a supposed, what, uh, 80 something million people or whatever is following this guy. You know, I, I think that's a joke. That's a joke. Look at his approval rating. He's in the 20s, for God's sake. He's got the worst approval rating of any U.S. president in, in modern history in the last 75 years. He's got the worst approval rating and he's got this massive Twitter following. I don't think so. Explain to me how when he does a live show on, uh, I, I don't know, the White House channel or whatever it is on YouTube. Explain to me why there's only 300 people watching it at any given time. Like, they could easily fake those numbers, but they don't. So do a lot of these other people have the followings that they have? I would venture to say no. I would venture to say no. I've only met a few people that actually follow these these celebrity morons. You know, I, I mean, I've only met a few people that actually say, oh, you know, you, you ever follow this person? You ever follow? No, I don't, because I have a brain and I can think for myself. I don't need to hear some garbage celebrity tell me about something that they know nothing about. So do they actually have the followings? I say no. I say no. I think that if you look at public opinion polls on them anyway, if you look at the average person out there on the street... You know, a lot of these man on the street interviews that you see or these uh, these polls that, that are randomly taken. Hollywood and the politicians, the political class and, and these uh, these tech companies, they're hated. They are absolutely hated. They are hated for the actual garbage that they are. People see them for the useless individuals that they are. 
They've had their time. Their time was last century. They're irrelevant going forward. So I don't think they actually have these followings. Yeah, of course, you got some morons out there that follow. Of course you do. You're always going to have that. But it's not as big and pronounced as they say it is. And it sways public opinion. And it's not right. It's not right. Whoever's behind that monstrosity of swaying public opinion through social engineering through these tech companies needs to be dealt with. That's got to go away. One of the big uh, proponents of that, uh, that, that, that push it, is uh, actually Google themselves uh, using social engineering tactics, let alone, you know, Facebook and Twitter themselves. They, they also do it. Politicians, um, you know, the, the list continues. Look at the World Economic Forum. They are hated. They're absolutely hated. They have to disable all the comments on their Twitter feed. They have to disable all the uh, the view counts and everything on their uh, their YouTube videos. Whenever those morons put out a video on something, doesn't matter what it is, it could be anything. Anytime those idiots that are down there in Davos, anytime they put out one of their uh, their videos on something, it gets so many downvotes that the algorithm actually has to delist it. That's why you never see them. You can't tell me that that's a popular group of people. You can't tell me that. Well, uh, before before all of this, the Great Reset came out and they, they were just talking about uh, climate change and those kind of things. Uh, before that, they were not well received, but they were, de- they, they were their, their posts were in the positive. Uh, it, it, it wasn't a negative. And then once they started getting mainstream attention, then it was that that's when they got dumped on. And a lot of people uh, started doing the, you know, negative uh, dislikes, whatever. Uh, then they started uh, closing comments. They started uh, YouTube changed the ability to see the, the number of dislikes, uh, which they claim is for the creator, by the way. The, 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 but they failed to mention the fact that the creator still sees the dislikes. So I, I, I don't see how it helps the creator at all. Um, but anyway, whatever. Um, I, you know, I, I hoped the, the Twitter deal would have gone through, you know, Musk would have gotten it um, because I, I, I do think he could have done some real changes on Twitter that would have been beneficial to society, literally. I mean, this is, this is kind of the, the public square right now, if you will. Do I think he still wants to do it? Yeah, I do think he still wants to take that over. And potentially more people would get on it if uh, he took it over and started making the changes that he's talked about. Do I think he's going to do go through with it now? No, I, I think legitimately, I think he's looking to pull out because I think there's a lot more bots there than uh, Twitter's been saying. It's not 5%. I think that number is far too small for how many bots are actually there. And then, as I said, people that, that create the bots are becoming more uh, intelligent on how to, to hide the bots. And they're intentionally hiding the bots better. So we probably don't have an actual number of how many bots are there. Even Twitter probably doesn't even know. They're probably just saying, oh, it's probably 5%. Legitimately, that could be all the bots that are on there that we're you know, aware are bots. But there's so many more bots than that, I think. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I, I think there's a lot more that's, that's going on on these social media platforms. And I, to be honest with you, I don't think that Twitter is the only one. I think that that's just like that's the beginning of the facade that we're seeing peeled back. I think that all these companies are using them, to be honest. Uh, I think a lot of these these people and a lot of these um, these institutions have a lot bigger followings on the surface than what they actually have. And speaking of the World Economic Forum, 
would you believe that they actually they released a paper the other day and they said that um, gas prices, so fuel prices, petrol prices, they need to go even higher to save democracy. You've got to have higher gas prices in order to save democracy. And oddly enough, you agreed with that, didn't you? I do agree. Yeah. Um, if you want to save democracy, uh, then you absolutely need gas prices to go higher because here in the United States, we don't have a democracy. So if you want to save democracy, that means you have to create a democracy. And the only way you're going to create a democracy is to completely abolish and destroy the constitutional republic that it is currently. And um, you're on the road to that. You're, you're, you're on the road to try to destroy that constitutional republic. So, Well, you see, um, the, the World Economic Forum, they say that democracies have been in decline for many years anyway. I can't say that I disagree with that. They have been in decline for many years. Uh, they say that fighting the former can save the latter as long as consumers stop burning coal, oil, and gas in exchange for green renewables, which it's pretty funny considering the European Union just ruled that nuclear and natural gas, that's green. That's that's green. And I did hear this morning they're actually considering coal as green as well. They're, they're considering that to be a green source of energy. It's interesting how this works, isn't it? Yeah. The paper argues that for the past 15 years, democracy has been in decline worldwide to protect and promote freedom. Quote, leading democracies must strengthen their economies and safeguard liberty. Well, that's especially rich coming from those people. It goes on to say ignoring progress toward a low carbon economy could put democracies in greater economic peril, not less. While repeating the broader demand for environmental activists for companies to stop investing in fossil fuels. But yet you see natural gas, that's that's green. Yeah, that's green. And it, coal could possibly be green as well. They say in the paper, first, leading democracies should agree to end underpricing fossil fuels. Yeah, see, you want to gouge the, the consumer. That's what you want to do. You don't want to underprice those things. You want to gouge people to where they just can't afford them anymore because that will force the change that's needed, you see. Now, don't worry about not having anything to replace it with. That, that's OK, because, well, you see, you have to put pressure on people uh, to, to force compliance. That's what you have to do, which is the principal factor preventing a clean energy transition. You see this? Yeah, you see the reason you're not transitioning to clean energy which is not even clean. It's actually worse than what you've got already. The reason you don't have that is because you're not putting enough pressure on people. The underpricing associated with producing and burning coal, oil, and gas amounted to $5.9 trillion in economic costs in 2020 alone. Nearly a quarter of these losses, uh, which was one and one and a half trillion, occurred in 48 major and smaller democracies. The paper goes on to argue that compliance can and must be enforced. You hear this? What is that, Bruce, you always say? They're literally holding a gun to our head. That's what they're doing. They're holding a gun. The paper goes on to argue that compliance can and must be enforced. I can't think of a better excuse for holding a gun to someone's head than that statement right there. Taxes can be imposed on carbon-intensive imports to reduce the risk of unfair competition for their domestic industries and to deter companies from relocating overseas to avoid compliance at home. They are the ones that move the businesses overseas. They're the ones that move them to China and to India where they don't have regulations, so they don't have to abide by that. They're the ones that pass the laws in those countries to make sure that they don't have to abide by it so they can shut you down. That's the whole point. Leverage us out through cheap labor and no regulations. So it doesn't matter what we do. We could cut 100%. We could cut 150%. And it's not enough. It's not enough. It doesn't matter. It's a zero-sum game. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can do everything that they say 
and it will not be enough because they're still going to be laughing all the way to the Swiss bank. Forcing other economies to reform their underpricing of fossil fuels to avoid the penalties imposed by the policy should also be actively pursued. But, you know, you can't because of, well, reasons, right? Yeah, you just just can't. With the U.S. President Biden already committed to punishing the fossil fuel industry out of existence, you know, you can't, no, you can't, you can't have the, um, the, the domestic drilling. You can't have that Keystone pipeline. No, no. The colonial pipeline. No, you don't need that. You don't need that. We're just going to release all their strategic oil reserves and we're going to send that to China. That's what we're going to do. The paper concludes that by delaying clean energy transition, leading democracies are making their economies more vulnerable through continued reliance on fossil fuels. Yeah, you see, you're vulnerable. Oh, my God, you're vulnerable. You might actually have people that live. Oh, my goodness. Collectively acting to foster a green transition is not only good for the climate, but also critical for protecting democracy. I can't think of a better way to protect democracy than to, well, than to sentence your own population to death, right? You see, these people don't care about anything other than depopulation and world government. That's all they care about. That is where their minds are right now. They're they're sick minds. That's where they are right now. They could care less about anything else. They want everybody to go away quietly. You remember what Dennis Meadows said? He hopes that it can be civil. And by civil, he means peaceful because you want everybody to share in the experience. They want everybody to go away quietly and die. That's literally what they want people to do. You know, the uh, the the democracy thing, every time we see a democracy come to power, it usually ends up in going into some totalitarian, you know, authoritarian system. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't want a democracy at all. It grinds my gears constantly hearing politicians here um, saying, well, you know, our, our democracy here in the United States not a democracy ever has been uh and then obviously we, we could use other examples of like uh, uh russia as an example you know the democratic socialists you know uh, before it went to the ussr kind of the same thing we we have those same individuals here in our own country well we we have the same in other countries as well just with uh you know in your own language and national socialists that's also a problem but anyway that's um I'll, just, uh, I'll throw a blanket over it. I'll, I'll throw a blanket over it, and I'll just say that socialists are a problem. Collectivism is a problem. Yeah, yeah. And usually, those come to power when they say democracy or you know democratic socialist or those kind of things. That that's code uh, for going socialist and and basically completely violating your rights and going authoritarian. But I mean, I, I guess we don't care about that anymore. It seems I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's safe and effective. So you know. Uh, no deaths, no injuries, you know, yeah, th- those, those kind of things. So I, I, I don't, I don't know at this point, I, do, do people care as an example, going back to the, the, the social engineering and everything. Uh, I was looking up some stuff on, uh, on, on Google and, uh, they sent me a questionnaire and were like, you know, uh, all that. And it's like, this is just, it's social engineering. That's, that's all this is. They're, 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 they're social engineering you to, to think a certain way. and then. Uh, well, you go to university and they do the same thing. And then they come in and say, uh, the, the future is, is democracy. You know, we got to save our democracies. We got to do, there is no democracy. The, the closest, I, what, what is it? Is it Sweden, I think, or something like that? that Switzerland. Is, Switzerland is, is the closest to a democracy that, that exists today. But when you look at their society, it's pretty homogenous. There, there's, there, it, it, it's all pretty, they all have pretty much the same ideology. and. That's not the case in 
most other countries. Definitely not the case here in the United States. Uh, it's a melting pot here. We, we have so many different cultures and ways that people think. It, it just, it, that, that kind of a system doesn't work. Um, I mean, you, you can look at the, the Constitutional Republic and how, in, how much infighting there is amongst us and has always been. If you look at the, the very foundations, uh, the, the kind of stuff that founders were saying about one another in election cycles was pretty reprehensible. I mean, it's kind of it funny, actually. Bad. It was kind of funny. It, it was funny, very hyperbolic, uh, but it, it, it shouldn't be there. I, maybe, maybe my expectations of a civilized society is a, a little too high, but I feel like, you know, you, you have the freedom of speech to say those things, but you don't say those things because we're civilized. Some of the political ads, it, it makes me think some of the political ads that they used to do against each other, like Jefferson and Adams, you know, they like and, and Franklin, they used to do some of the, like the worst political ads against each other. I mean, it was just it was it was, as you said, it was just reprehensible stuff. But it was it's funny now that you look back on it. But that kind of nonsense went on back then. You know, like that, that, that went on back then. Same thing with the British. I mean, where do you think they got it? That kind of an attitude. Uh, and that's, that's what they do. You know, that's, that's what politicians do. They just throw stupid political ads against each other and, you know, it sways public opinion that way. It's social engineering in its purest form uh, from, you know, an earlier time. But uh, anyway, speaking of social engineering, let's let's actually keep with that because uh, something popped up over the weekend, and it's the reason that it's unique is because it's the first time since the 1960s that we've had anything like this. New York has released a public service announcement about a nuclear attack. I mean, I thought I I thought I'd heard it all. But uh, it was it was quite something. New York City's emergency management department released a public service announcement instructing residents on what to do in the event of a nuclear attack. The first of its kind since the 1960s. Bruce, you and I saw it uh, and I thought it was quite laughable, but um, uh, but I'm going to play it anyway, because I think it's um, the whole thing CGI. But uh, it's it's just funny. It's funny. To think of like, this is something that I feel like I'm when I watch it and I hear it, obviously you, the listener, you can't see it, but uh, there's copies of it floating around out there. Uh, I'm sure it's probably on YouTube. When I listen to this, I feel like it's one of those instructional videos that you would watch back in like elementary school or something. That, that's what I get. It's like they're, they're marketing this to five to ten year olds. That, that's the feeling I get from this. Listen to this. nuclear attack. Don't ask me how or why, just know that the big one has hit, okay? So what do we do? There are three important steps that I want you to remember. Step one, get inside Get fast. in your house. You, your friends, your family, get inside. And no, staying in the car is not an option. You need to get into a building and move away from the windows. Step two. Stay inside. Stay Shut dressed. all doors and windows. Have a basement? Head there. If you don't have one, get as far into the middle of the building as possible. If you were outside after the blast, get clean immediately. Remove and bag all outer clothing to keep radioactive dust or ash away from your body. Step three, stay tuned. Follow media for more information. Don't forget to sign up for Notify NYC for official alerts and updates. And don't go outside until officials say it's safe. Oh, yes, listen all to right? the government. You've got this. Yeah, you got it all right. Listen to the government. Yeah, listen. 
that's enough of that. Really? So what, like we need something else to keep people in fear now? That, that's what this is. It's just, it's, it's, another, it's another crisis of fear. You're going to nuke New York? Listen, if you get nuked in New York, you're not going to have to worry about getting in a building. You're not going to have to worry about that at all. You're going to be lucky if you make it a half a block in that city after a nuclear blast. You're going to be lucky if you have, make it a half a block in that city alive. I mean, there's going to be a lot of, uh, depending on where they hit and how they burst it, if it's an airburst or if it's a direct hit and creates a crater and all those kind of things, um, there's going to be a lot of buildings that get blown up uh, and torn down. Uh, you know, the shockwave from the the blast is, it just rips things apart. If you watch some of the old ones that the, the tests we did, it like shreds like a school bus and a house. And, you know, we have video of, of the kind of force the nukes back then did. Uh, they're more powerful now. But the thing is, is let's say there was a dirty bomb and it wasn't a nuke. <laughs> the radiation uh, potentially will kill you, you know, depending on uh, where it goes off to what they're saying. Uh, some of the stuff is accurate, uh, to be fair. Uh, if there is a nuke that goes off, um, some of the That's a serious the, thing. That is a serious it thing. It is a serious thing. Uh, but typically that that is what, you know, go in your house and, uh, you know, remove all all your clothing, uh, you know, wash, um, thoroughly wash. That is correct. That is actually what you're supposed to do, because uh, if you have any kind of uh, fallout on you, you need to get it off of you as quick as as quick as possible because you know um, radioactive material could be sitting on on your clothing and and exposing you the entire time or on your skin or whatever and simply you just got to wash it off and then sealing your yourself in your house that is also another thing that they tell you to do in fact they tell you to go further and and seal off uh, the the doors and windows with uh, visqueen they also tell you to um, you know, yeah, of course, you're going to have to have your supply of water and food and all that. So there, there is the truth to this. And I, I believe fallout is typically I think it's like two weeks, roughly. Uh, so you, you've got to have about two weeks worth of food and supplies. And then if you plan to move after that period, you're going to need some kind of uh, respirator or something to keep from breathing in any dust that you're going to be kicking up as you're leaving. Um, and you'll probably want some kind of clothing to to that's easy to get off. So maybe, you know, um, like those um, Tyvek suits or or even just trash bags would be good, you know, and seal those off. But uh, there is some truth to that. The problem I have with this is, let's say there's an explosion. Um, legitimately, there's an explosion. And they say, it's a nuke. They just had all of you uh, hunker down over nothing. Another COVID lockdown or nothing more than just a conventional explosion. And as you said, this is more engineering. It uh, gets you to trust the government because they'll tell you when it's safe, you know, that they, they, they know. And then the fear that's generated because there might be a nuke and Russia yeah, yeah. is over here showing pictures off of their Satan 2 or whatever. Well, you know, there's something else. Uh, and this is, this, is the, this is not me trying to fear monger or anything like that because I'm not a fear monger. About 10 years ago, I remember specifically these these two things happening about 10 years ago. Do you know we had two broken arrows in the United States? Meaning uh, we misplaced some... We, uh... we misplaced two nuclear warheads. Yeah. Now, I don't have to remind anybody. I mean, I'm sure that the clips are still out there, and I'm sorry that I don't have one on hand at the moment. But um, I do recall, I want to say it was Senator Lindsey Graham. I could be mistaken, but I do recall that there was uh, something to the effect that if there wasn't something that was voted on the certain way, then a city was going to get nuked. 
Now, I can't remember what that was, but uh, yeah, I, I do. I do recall him saying that publicly, I might add. So I would like to know what happened to the two nuclear weapons that we misplaced, the ones that were released from our military installations and they never arrived at their destination within the United States. Where did they go? Good question. I mean, those are not exactly things you just happen to misplace. So where did they go? And they're fairly easy to track, it was my understanding, because oh, yeah. uh, the, the devices just, themselves are just, tracked. And, yeah, you don't just lose a nuclear yeah. a nuclear weapon. You don't just lose no. one of those things. And you can find residue, like uh, nuclear, uh, I believe they're not perfectly shielded, so there is a little bit of radiation that leaks out, so uh -huh. you would be able to track that, Yeah. Um, potentially, so... Interesting. One thing that I would suggest if you're one of these prepper types. Now, again, I'm not I'm not a fear mongering kind of person, but um, I would suggest that you pick up doses of potassium iodide, not iodine, potassium iodide, D-I-D-E, iodide. There is a difference between the two. If you're at all concerned about any of these and what that does, that protects the thyroid from any kind of uh, or absorbing that radioisotope uh, from a nuclear blast. So that's that's what the purpose of that is. Uh, a lot of preppers have those things. And quite frankly, I mean, I keep some on hand because it's relatively inexpensive. I think I, I bought 200 doses for, I think, like 10 bucks or whatever it was for a decent dose. So, I mean, I got a couple hundred doses. And on top of that, I've got a multivitamin that contains it that I take every day anyway. It's actually, it's really good for your thyroid anyway. So it's not like they'll they'll go to waste. So uh, if if you're at all concerned, uh, that is available. I know that that's, uh, that's been a hot ticket item on places like Amazon and, and stuff like that over the, uh, the last year or two. You know, people are concerned about it, at least over here. You know, there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, nukes being lobbed back and forth between the Russians and the Europeans. So, you know, uh, it's been out of stock over here, but I was able to get my hands on a couple hundred doses. So if you're one of those people that's concerned about that, I would say you need it yesterday. Just treat it like that uh, and go get you some. So uh, we'll go ahead and jump out of here for today. So for those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up? Do you know someone you're trying to get to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce, thanks for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.